My guest today is the founder and leading member of the band The Tangent, who have a new album. It's called The Spark in the Ether. It comes out this month. I'd like to welcome Andy Tillerson to the show. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, for, for taking the time. So uh, I'll answer any questions you've got. Uh, this is for <laughs> Prog, uh, the Prog Report, of course, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have to get used to my Yorkshire accent, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, anyway, nice to meet you here. Okay. Yeah, hey, thanks. Uh, you know what? So because we haven't spoken to you on the website before or anything like that, I just want to do a quick kind of history of the band. You know, you're probably tired of talking about that, but let's go back a little bit and, and get to, because it's been a lot of members and, and everything. So so from starting to, to kind of where you are today. Okay, well, I mean, if I was to go through everybody who's been in the tangent, it would actually take me the whole interview, which That's would right. be a bit of a problem. Um, but essentially, the group started really as a it was a solo album uh, that I was making whilst I was in another band called Parallel or Ninety Degrees or PO Ninety, as we used to call it. Um, and uh, through the introductions of uh, a person who later became our manager, Ian Oakley, we ended up meeting Reiner and um, and Jonas Rheingold, Zoltan Sears, and uh, they helped me put the first record together, which was originally going to be this solo album. Halfway through, realised that this is not a solo album anymore. It's got real people on it who are making real decisions. It sounds like a band. So I changed the name to The Tangent, which was a name I used to have for my first progressive rock band back in the 70s. Um, and uh, we uh, released an album, and we've been releasing albums ever since um, <laughs> because it was very popular and the group did very well from it. And, um, you know, inside out, keep on signing us up. Every three albums we make, we get another contract. So we think, right, hey, we better make another three time. albums. Yeah. Yeah, we've got we've had lots of people come and go and come back and go and come back. Um, it's you know it's just been a long. It's a bit like the history of King Crimson or Yes, really, except we did this straight away. Started um, you know varying the lineup. So it's a long, tortuous story and everything. Um, it's not because we fall out with each other. It's usually because somebody's not available. To be quite honest, you know, somebody's doing a tour with. You know, Stephen Wilson, therefore they can't be on the album this time. That kind of thing, you know. Um, and in the end, we've reached this point. We've just got a new album out now called The Spark in the Ether. And um, we, uh, we've we got some regulars who play on that, you know, people like Luke Machin, who's been with us before, Jonas, who's been with us since the beginning, and uh, Theo, who's been with us since our second album. So it's a, a fairly matured version of the tangent on this album. And the new album, uh, like you were saying, Spark in the Ether, it's actually, you're calling it, uh, it's the music that dies alone part two, which is, I guess, a sort of an official follow-up to the, to the first album. Why why is this one the part two? I think I think it's just the spirit of it, really. Um, the first album, the music that died alone um, itself, was probably the first <laughs> the first piece of music which was actually about prog rock music. Um, you know, many many times before you've heard songs about funk, songs about soul, songs about rock and roll, songs about country music. You know, there's been plenty of those, um, and you know, without really thinking about it, I wrote one about prog rock, um, <laughs> and that was the music that died alone itself, um, lamenting the fact that nobody seemed to love it anymore at the time, and um, and then here we are, twelve years later, I found myself writing a song about you know how much i enjoyed the music again 
and thought, yeah, this kind of ties together a little bit with the first album, and um, and also the way we're playing together on this record, the the fact that we seem to be very upbeat and enjoying ourselves when you listen to it. On you know, it's got a similar kind of atmosphere. And I started thinking of it as being a music that died alone, part two. Once, once the once the drums and the bass were on, I just thought this is the music all over again. It's great fun. So um, we uh, we decided to subtitle it that. The album comes out uh, April twentieth in in Europe and the twenty first in the states. Um, That's right. Yeah. So uh, so and there's links to all of that on our website, uh, so everybody can pick that up or pre-order it. I guess the last album you guys did was uh, a couple years ago, and it was uh, you know more of a concept album. I guess um, uh, do you see this one as that, or this one seems a little bit more free flowing, uh, other than the tie-in, like you're uh. saying with the first one. No, this is. We've only ever made one concept album, yeah. um, and that was, as you say, the last one. Um, that was, you know, uh, a big sprawling orchestral opus with movements that uh, that uh, took you through a, a typical working day in the twenty first century. Um, and it was kind of a pretty, you know, uh, pretty downer affair, really. I mean, I admit that. Um, and. <laughs> You know, as I've just said uh, before, is that um, um, <laughs> that there's no reason to, you know, think that a downer album is a bad thing. I mean, Roger Waters has traded on that for, <laughs> for since the 1960s, really. Um, you know, he doesn't write cheerful stuff. And, you know, I think that sometimes I have cheerful thoughts and sometimes I have, you know, pretty bleak and, uh, you know, thoughts just like anybody else. Um and the best thing to do is to write about what's going through your mind at the time. You know, you are, as a musician, you're always logging how you see the world. Um, and, you know, uh, that particular time I wrote this thing, um, it was obviously not a happy subject. But, you know, then I came back, started making this record, really enjoyed playing it, went out on the road with the band, got on fantastically with everybody in the group. And out of that came a very positive sounding record. After all, a group like mine doesn't want to make the same record every time, um, you know, um, and... I mean, bands like Yes did this. I mean, after Tales from Topographic Oceans and Relayer, which were both quite heavy albums, they they came back with, you know, a much more bright-sounding one, um, the Going for the Ones that, uh, that they did um, back in the late 70s. Yeah, this is our kind of, like, uh, bouncy prog and roll album, really, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's very upbeat. Uh, with the the opening song, which you you described as well, the, the, it's the title track. Let's they'll say that, and you described that as as being about being open to new music, right? As you get older and only listening to uh, remasters and reissues, that uh, you should be open to some new music. It kind of gives that vibe. I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, if I've got any advice for people at all, <laughs> is that, you know, there's an awful lot of really good new music about, and there's also an awful load of crap new music about. But that's the same as it's always been, you know. Um, one thing that's for sure is that, you know, if you want to take new roads in your life, um, you know, you're not going to find it through a remaster. The, the fact is, is that... When it comes to remasters, and it doesn't matter who does them, whether it's Stephen Wilson or Jacko Jaxitz or or anybody, that the thing is, is that you buy that record hoping to find something new in it. <laughs> right. Well, the most right. the most you're going to find in it is, you know, it might have been tightened up. It might just, you know, might just be a little bit more crisp on the hi hat, and 
yeah, that's going to be nice and, and everything. But the thing is, is that if Stephen Wilson had mixed close to the edge completely differently, nobody would have been happy at all. The thing is, you're actually buying something that you want to be the same as it was. <laughs> you just want it to somehow make your hi-fi sound better. or you know, You're just going to be buying the same record. And, you know, there's a lot of artists out here struggling to be heard. And... I think it's rather cynical that the big record companies, instead of signing up new progressive rock bands, um, are kind of just making a lot of money by reselling their old ones. And I think, you know, to me, I just kind of think, nah, that's not the way to do it. Um, let's have some new stuff. So that's what we do. We do new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that said, what are some of the new bands that you listen to, actually, if you have any? Um, right, well, at the moment, I'm going through a kind of, like, discovery of, uh, of jazz music at the moment. So I'm listening to an awful lot of jazz. Um, and uh, that's largely because of the fact that I'm wanting to learn how to play some more advanced jazz myself, you know. Um, so I've been listening to an awful lot of that. So to me, it's new. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going back into the 50s in many cases. Um, so I, here I am uh, listening to old music, but it's new to me. I've never heard it before, you know, and... Um, that's been really good. Um, out in the out in the world of, uh, of prog music, what I'm listening to, um, um, there's a band from Germany called Argos who I'm really, really into. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, they actually asked me to play on their last album, which was which was really rather exciting. So I've done that. Of course, there's loads of bands over here, some who I absolutely love, like Magenta, who, who are terrific, um, and uh, you know. Um, Big Big Train, uh, Cosmograph, uh, you know, sure. the list goes on and on. Sure. Um, and at the same time, uh, I also listen to a lot of um, what you might call DJ culture music. Um, people like Groove Armada, Faithless, um, and uh, um, stuff like that. Um, Radiohead, quite a bit of them. Um, they're, they're quite old now, of course. <laughs> you know, um, I still listen to quite a bit of metal. My students who I teach keep me in touch with various sort of like things that are happening. But actually, the students seem to be more interested in what I used to listen to as much as they, as, as much as to tell me about the stuff they like these days, which isn't necessarily a good sign. You know, it used to be students would always tell me what I should be listening to. And now they're kind of asking me what they should listen to, which is a bit weird. <laughs> That's good. That's how the cycle keeps going, and they learn about the, the good bands from, from back in the day and, and all that, so that's great. Yeah, I, I just I just feel it, it, a little bit sad, of course, that there is a back in the day, you know, um, <laughs> right. that, you know that, rock, that rock music is really a kind of thing that's that's got a finite date on it now. The era of the rock and roll star was between sort of like 1965 and 1995, you know, and since then... You know, there haven't really been rock stars. It's uh, it's been very much a kind of uh, well, I don't I don't even really know how to describe the modern music scene. Um, it just seems to be very commercially orientated and floundering and not really knowing where it's going to go with itself. You know, so yeah, you know, I think that part's true. I think that's changed. But what that's sort of done is is said to rock bands and musicians. Uh, listen, if you you want to do it, you may as well just do it the way you want to, and not you know, and not oh, worry about the hit single or whatever it is. And it, it's I think it's resulted in almost better music. 
I, th- I think I think there's a, a, a lot of truth in that. I mean, you know, the question is whether there should have ever been a big music industry in the first place. It didn't sure. even manage a hundred years on the planet. You know, it's not exactly a historically important business, isn't the music industry? And nowadays, you know, the way musicians are going, we're kind of like going back to our traditional role, really, as sort of like travelling minstrels on the internet, you know, um, <laughs> entertaining people where we can, um, providing them with music that's bespoke, exactly what people are looking for, you know. Yeah. And the question is, is, you know, people like you help those people to find us and us to find them. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting concept and it's not as bad as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you about a, a couple of songs on the new album. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one is uh, is the the second track, uh, "Cod Pieces and Capes," which is uh, sort of a, again about uh, prog music. It seems like and and sort of making it in, in business. At least that's what the the idea that I got from it. What is that song about? And and especially the title. Where'd that come from? Well, cod pieces and capes is just, uh, you know, it's about prog rock and uh, a lot of people in the media just think straight away of the guy with a cod piece and a flute, that's Ian Anderson, and capes is, of course, Rick Wakeman and his keyboards rig, you know, Um, and, you know... um, even, you know, bearing in mind that I absolutely am a complete prog rock nut, um, I love the music. Of course, there's lots of things that make you embarrassed about them, you know, like people wearing capes and cod pieces and uh, driving around in three trucks and with their names on the top and all these bonkers things that they did when they were really rich and they were kind of like medieval princes in Europe, you know. Um, uh uh, I, it was a it was a weird time. Uh, very young men with a lot of money, um, and um, you know, you have to you have to sort of like disengage yourself from how much you love it somehow to be able to look and say, well, there was some of it that was really shit. <laughs> <laughs> some of it was absolutely shite, as we say here in England, um, and uh, you know. Um, yeah, Finding the good stuff is the is the uh, is the secret, of course. Um, in cod pieces and capes, yeah, we have a bit of a laugh, you know. We're remembering it's a bit nostalgic, looking back at the music that that formed um, our early lives that was so important to us back in the nineteen seventies. There's another part of the song where I'm actually looking at the fact that those guys don't very often come and stand alongside us, you know, the old heroes. Um, they they don't really support us or give us gigs or anything or um out of all the people i mean you know i've been operating the tangent to a reasonable level of success for the past 12 years and you know not once has any (laughs) has any musician from the 70s said hey i like what you're doing man or (laughs) or got in touch and said yeah this is really good would you like a gig nope nothing not a word um, from any of them and you know i kind of think that's a little bit sad because you know um when it comes down to it we're their legacy um not just the tangent obviously i'm talking about all the bands right, that we're right, playing right. now flower kings big big train magenta the whole bloody lot of them they're uh, we're their legacy we are what they've left <laughs> You know, it's not just a case of they left Foxtrot with us in 1972 or close to the edge in 72 or, you know, they've left that, sure. But they've also left us, you know. And if this, if it was me, I'd be proud of that. I'd be sort of saying, look at these guys. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, but you know, and there's there's an element to the song that's a bit like that. So there's a, there's a bitterness and there's a sweetness, but it's like a love song. You know, it's about all the good things that happen in a love relationship and all the bad things. That's what a love song's about. So my love song about progressive rock music, it's got good and bad. You know, that's what a love song is. So that that's a great explanation, and 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 it's a, it's a nice long uh, love song at that, which is which is cool. Um, uh, the other one I wanted to ask you about was was really the long epic on it, the, the twenty minute plus song, the Celluloid Road, rather, um, that, right, which yeah. is which is sort of a sort of a trip across America, really. It seems like so. So, what is that one about? Well, it's exactly what you say it is. It's a, an imaginary trip across America, um, and it was inspired by. Uh, uh, by by many 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 years of watching american television programs and film in in that you know um no matter what you guys think your greatest export is for the for, for 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 the rest of the world the thing that america makes is films about itself <laughs> um <laughs> and, we, and we watch them all and you know gradually slowly but surely all the people in the world have come to know america yeah Right. And we've come to know your country because we see it every day. Every day we will go to America at some point, you know. I mean, I'm going tonight <laughs> for sure. I, uh, tonight, I'm, tonight I'm watching The Blacklist with James Spader. Yeah, <laughs> So I'll be going to America tonight. So nearly every night of my life I've been to America on TV. And eventually I just decide I'm going to write a song and it's going to be a road trip across the America that I have seen on the telly. Yeah. Oh, or on the a, films. Or... Have you been to San Francisco? That's a pretty big part of the song there. I'm just wondering if you've been. I have been to San Francisco. I've actually spent three weeks of my 55 years on this planet in America. Three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, uh, two, two weeks were uh, two weeks were in San Francisco. One week was in Colorado, and one day was in Philadelphia. So that's it. You know, that's my experience of your country. But I was able to write this whole thing. I mean, you know, me, I can picture the Arizona desert. I can see that I can see the, the Grand Canyon in my mind. I know what the Rocky Mountains look like. I can see North Dakota, and, and you know, and, and, and of course, I've seen uh, Mount Rushmore. I mentioned it in the song. All these things, you know, big memories that are brought to me by your very, very powerful media industry, which, of course, has, you know, let the whole world see your country in a way that no other country has been able to do. So, um, you know, so that's why so many people call America the land of dreams. Um, and, you know, it's a great thing. It's a great thing that you've done. And my song is simply asking the question, did we get this right? You know, <laughs> is this really what it's like? Um, and, uh, you know, of course, I've got my own answers to that. You know, of course, some of it is and some of it isn't. That's that's it. But it's a fantasy journey across America. Yeah, you're right. I'd love to do it. It's been a, a long burning ambition of mine to get hold of a Harley Davidson and ride it from one coast to the other. Maybe I'll do it one day. Yeah, you need to make that happen. That'd be great. Very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, in terms of, of writing generally or, or uh, an album like this, how does that process work for you? Are you always writing, or is it just when you decide I'm I'm going to work on an album? And where do, where do these ideas come that you that you wrote about during that process? Um, this is a very difficult thing. I, I don't actually know where they come from, and, and as a matter of fact, 
this is another thing it's a good question when when put about this album is that ever since i was a kid you know um i haven't i've been an atheist you know i don't believe in god and i'm not, I'm not a religious person and i've got no problem with people who are incidentally so that's that's not a, not a worry but the the thing because i was brought up in a religious house my dad was a vicar um and you know when i had the arguments with my dad about about uh, about being religious or not being religious i'd you know he'd say well where do you think you get your musical ideas from and you know, and I, and I did a lot of reading about it, you know, to try and find out. And, and eventually I came across the only explanation in some encyclopedia, I think it was Encyclopedia Britannica, where I read about something called the ether. Yeah? And, you know, this is it, you know, that you, there's this kind of, I mean, it's almost like the force really in Star <laughs> Wars, is that, you know, suddenly an idea will come to me and I don't know where it came from or anything like that. And, and, and I've always kind of referred to these in my own mind as sparks in the ether. Suddenly something just hits me and I will write about it. And that's where the album's title came from um, this particular time, because, you know, um, suddenly after writing this, rather depressing <laughs> concept album about the drudgery of work suddenly these really cheerful pieces suddenly ended up in my head and i was singing them and thinking yeah yeah this is going to be a good one you know and I just, where are these things where are these sparks coming from again you know and and the ether to me is the answer you know it's a classical uh, a classical theory is the idea it's an ancient greek theory is that the ether is a, a, an unseen kind of force around us that we can reach into and grab ideas from yeah well, that's great. Listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I love the new album. It, it really is a lot of fun to listen to, and everybody should pick it up. So thank you for taking some time and speaking with us. Absolutely fine. No problem at all. I think that, it's, uh, you know, um, I'm proud of the record, and I'm, I'm glad you like it. So uh. <laughs> All right, Andy. Take it easy, man. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to thank Andy for the interview. We're going to play a track off the new album. This is the title track called A Spark in Ether. Don't forget to follow The Prog Report on Facebook, on Twitter. Check out our website for upcoming news and interviews and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks.
Twilight, if we tear ourselves 